Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, Joe Slack, and joining me today are Andrew and Travis from Explody Games. Explody Games is an indie board game publisher run by Andrew and Travis that has just launched its first Kickstarter, Olympia. As their day jobs, Andrew leads a team of designers and developers working with the top 1,000 retailers in the world, and Travis leads an engineering team developing aerospace software. Andrew and Travis, thanks so much for being here on the Board Game Binge. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. So maybe you can start off by telling our viewers and listeners how the two of you got to know each other and what made you decide to want to design a board game together? Yeah. So we met uh, as friends um, and we were just uh, hanging out together one time when we started talking about um, how we would, you know, if we came up with a, a group game, what we would do. And then that morphed into, well, what if we designed a board game? Um, and, uh, we decided to start a Google doc, jot down some ideas and we were off to the races and it went terribly the, the first, <laughs> so, as, uh, the board game, uh, creation process usually does. Uh, yeah. So we were very excited about the, our idea and got it on the table, uh, with some paper and pen and it was uh, awful, <laughs> but that's usually how it goes. Um, so we were able to continue to refine things and we're really excited with what we have now. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's often how it goes. Uh, you, know, you start off with an idea thinking in your head, oh, this is going to be the most amazing game. And then you actually try to play or oh, this just falls apart or not. So yeah. you definitely learn on the fly. And it's it's good that you don't uh, you know give up right away because it's very easy to get discouraged. But to say, okay, what can we do to make this better? And then get other people's <laughs> feedback and other people's ideas. So that's, that's all part of the creative process. Yep. We have very patient wives, too, who are willing to <laughs> sit through some very long... Uh, grueling playtests as well. <laughs> and that's a good point too. Um, like it's maybe something you don't think of when you're first designing a game, but as you get more experience, you, you don't want to put uh, people through hours and hours of agony if the game is not clearly not working or if there's, yeah. there's problems. So uh, hopefully as, as you're learning, um, you'll say very, you can say very quickly, okay, after a couple of rounds, okay, something's not working here. You know, we got to go back to the drawing board and that type of thing. So because um, yeah. that, that'll um, hopefully encourage your playtesters to come back and not run from you next time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Got to protect that resource. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I, I love your company name. Uh, how did you come up with the name Explody Games and what does it mean to you? Um, so we actually debated pretty hotly about what we wanted to call ourselves when we uh, first formed an LLC. Um, I think it was me that came up with it. And I'd love to tell you that there's some awesome story to it. I just wanted something that was kind of fun sounding a little bit like quirky and uh uh, I woke up one morning and I'm like, Explody, that sounds fun. So that's, <laughs> that's what I pitched to Travis. And um... Andrew's also a graphic designer by trade. So he, when he was smart enough to pitch me with a cute little logo, um, which was, uh, you know, enough to, to convince me that it was, it was the way to go. Um, and yeah, I think it's our, it's just, a. I think our, our, our kind of goal is just to to make things that are fun, and we just thought the name was fun, so we we decided to run with it. Very cool. Uh, so Andrew, so you did the the graphic design for the logo. Did you also do the graphic design uh, for all of the game as well? Uh, yes, I did. Um, yeah, so I'm a graphic design. That's my background um, with some web coding in there as well. Um, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun to to build all that out and refine it. So, oh, very I've. Cool. I, I'm very thankful for Andrew because if it was just me, then, uh, you know, maybe Olynthia would be fun to play, but it certainly would not be very fun to look at. Um, <laughs> uh, 
uh, I, uh, it would be very, it would look like it was made by an engineer, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, very thankful for Andrew and the skills that he brings, even back in those early play tests, he would be, you know, doing some simple art and, um, the graphic design, especially, I think has been what has helped so much because so much of the playing experience is impacted by how easy components are to use, especially as our game evolved and became a little bit more intricate. So, um, very thankful that we were able to collaborate and um, I was able to take advantage of all his skills <laughs> to <laughs> pour into the game. You're too kind. A few good points there. Uh, one being, you know, the the look and the feel of the game, a good kind of graphical user interface um, and, and, you know, something appealing really will bring people in and want them to play it more and make it easier for them. But mm -hmm. also that, um, you know, Andrew's bringing that um, aspect of it, which made the game easier. And when you're collaborating and creating with somebody else, it's really good to have complementary skills um, where some, you know, somebody's maybe stronger in one area, or, or you know, is just more likely to say, "Let me, let me take the lead on that kind of thing." And you're like, "Oh, phew, okay, I don't have to worry yeah. about that." So, <laughs> how, how did you go about dividing up um, different tasks? And and there were there certain things that each of you said, "Yeah, th that's really like what I want to do. That's my jam. Let me kind of run with that." Yeah, I feel like it really kind of happened naturally. Um, our skills are really complementary um, with Travis with his uh, uh, software development backgrounds. Um, really good at staying organized and like parsing all of the like vast amounts of data that we have with between Google Docs. And then we take uh, copious notes whenever we do play tests. And um, we have ex Excel sheets with like all kinds of different mechanics, making sure that everything is well balanced. Um, so um, been really thankful for everything that Travis brings to the table with that. Um, and then on my end uh, with the art and um, uh, UI UX is a, a big passion of mine. And that's actually um, something that is directly related with this. And as you were saying, um, the look and feel, but also the like the way that comes together for the the gamer is a big deal so mm -hmm. i think also from a more like soft skill standpoint and personality we complement each other well because andrew's much more realist and <laughs> he's also someone who can think really far in, in advance um, think through things whereas i'm much more uh i tend to be a little bit more optimistic and also i tend to be a little bit more intuitive in the way that i think through things and kind of feeling feeling out how the game is feeling versus thinking through like okay i think this is how it'll go um so i think both of those have helped us balance where andrew can kind of rapidly think through how will this mechanic maybe be played out whereas i think i maybe brought a little bit more of the like okay how is this going to feel as a player um and you know andrew had a lot of the realist you know, we got to be careful about X, Y, Z, make sure we're all, all our bases are covered. Um, whereas I think I've been able to push us to take some leaps that Andrew as a perfectionist may not have wanted to go for, like, um, you know, that first public play test, submitting the game for the Boston Fig board game competition, um, and, you know, certain other things, you know, emailing for projects we love and uh, trying to jump at those those opportunities that Andrew's prepared us for. Yeah, it's really great when you we find another collaborator who you really, you know, gel with and, mm -hmm. and your personalities work well and, and you can uh, push each other in different directions um, to make it a better game, a better product as, as yeah. a result. Um, and you mentioned Boston Fig. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your experience uh, there. What 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 is Boston Fig and, and what was your experience uh, submitting there? Yeah, Boston Fig is this great um, board and video game competition in and showcase in Boston. Um, surprisingly, um, it's uh, every year you can submit a video of a board or video game 
Uh, they have a judging process. And if you are selected, then you get a booth at the Boston Fig um, and Fest where you can present your game and judges will come around and uh, judge, you know, whether or not you get an award. So uh, recently it's been virtual because of certain world events, but we were fortunate enough to go in person um, and we had a, we were able to get a booth. Um, Andrew pushed us to really deck out the booth, which I think was a, a great idea. We were able to get a lot of foot traffic, a lot of play testers and a lot of, you know, people who we were able to sign up who were interested. And we ended up winning best hobby game uh, at the, the contest portion. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, so I know that your first game together uh, called Olynthia is on Kickstarter right now. What's Olynthia about? Do you want to take an answer or shall I? You've got a great pitch. Go for it, man. <laughs> um, so Olynthia is a kingdom building dragon battling game where one to five players cooperate or compete to fight back vicious swarms of dragons. So essentially dragons have overrun the land, destroyed the cities of Olynthia, and built deadly nests atop their ruins. And you are uh, banding together, either in the cooperative mode, you're banding together to fight back all the dragons, or in the competitive mode, you've decided that the only way to save Olynthia is for you to seize power and become its new ruler. So you are still trying to fight off the dragons, but all the while getting the people on your side so that you can become the ruler of Olynthia. Very cool. And I know I played uh, a prototype of Olynthia of um, a few months ago, and I really enjoyed it. And in fact, I, I backed it right away when it launched. Um, what was your experience like creating your first game together? And what did you learn from it? It's a long list. <laughs> yeah. What, what didn't we learn? Oh, goodness. Um, we could be here a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like we learned tons really about the community, about um, what goes into actually like designing, playtesting. Um, there's so many different aspects that are involved in the whole process, especially if you're self-publishing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to start. That's a really long list. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of the things that kind of big picture things that we've that we that at least I think we've learned um just the board game design process of iterating not changing too many things at a time um making sure that you're thinking about like what experience you're trying to create and not just whether or not the game is balanced um but trying to make moments that are exciting and enjoyable um not understanding that the game won't be for everyone um understanding that ultimately doesn't matter how good the game is if people don't know about it and you don't have a community. That's something that I've been so thankful for just the board game community in general, how supportive and encouraging and how much f amazing feedback and, and um, critiques and, you know, all these things that we've gotten from the community and how supportive it's been. Even some of our more negative experience with playtesters ultimately, I think, made the game better um, and taught us a lot. And yeah, so those are some of the things off the top of my head. Yeah, those are some really important lessons. I mean, uh, building up that audience and getting in front of people to make your game the best it can be, uh, taking mm -hmm. that feedback, even when it's not a good experience. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, people have, they say, say, say things for a reason. Um, yeah. and maybe that, you know, says you need to go back and, and look at your game a little bit more. Um, and yeah, lots, lots of great things um, that you learned in, in the process. Um, so, 
You also mentioned that Olynthia can be played solo. It can be played cooperatively and competitively. How does the game change between these different modes? And do you have a favorite mode that you enjoy playing the most? Um, yeah, so the difference between the different modes is um, pretty minimal. The biggest difference is the objective. So in cooperative, as I mentioned, the goal is to defeat all the dragon nests. So you're working together um, to over five rounds to uh, defeat all these nests by working together, taking simultaneous turns. Um, in competitive mode, as I mentioned, you are trying to become the new ruler. And the way you do that is essentially by getting victory points and whoever has the most victory points will win. Um, solo mode is essentially cooperative mode, but you're by yourself. Um, and it scales for different player counts. Um, I think the biggest difference is the um, whether or not you have can attack other players. And in uh, competitive mode, instead of taking simultaneous turns, you'll take these short two action turns. Um, so, you know, move and build and then someone else will you know buy a market card and move or things like that so that can create a really interesting tension um, especially since there are limited spaces on the board there are limited cards available to you so it makes it a lot more the timing of when you do things is a lot more important um, and in cooperative mode there's a lot more collaboration you're trying to share resources um, coordinate your actions and all the while you can be doing things simultaneously so the, the rounds can can move quickly. Excellent. So Andrew, which is your favorite version to play? Oh, goodness. Um, I do really enjoy both, but I'll say I think I tend to prefer cooperative a little bit more. Um, I, I'm i a, a bit too nice to want to, uh, like, I don't like take that games very much. I prefer to uh, to try to work peacefully with other players. I, I do play plenty of um, competitive games as well, but yeah, I prefer not to play take that esque games um which is interesting because that's actually where Valentia largely started um but as we grew as gamers and designers we wanted to do more that was less about take that and more about strategy so i think another thing about andrew is he tends to when he does something he does it 100 percent. so if he does decide to go competitive and be aggressive <laughs> he does it 100 percent. look out right <laughs> davis likes to call me extra i definitely yeah i'm, I'm all in when i do something so. yeah um one of the things that we want to make sure with co um, cooperative, though, is there's so many co-op games that are easy to uh, quarterback in. Basically, say, all right, you do this, now you do this, now you do this. Um, so we really fought hard against that when we were designing it. Um, so with the simultaneous turns, like Travis was talking about, it helps to prevent that because there's just too much going on to be able to manage every other player. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and Travis, is there a favorite version of yours to play? Um, I think the it it goes back and forth for me but uh, more recently i think because we've we generally teach people with cooperative i think competitive might be my favorite at the moment um especially not as much the direct competition since that's also not my favorite in board games but uh the tension of back and forth and trying to figure out when to do things uh, i really like um and uh, Andrew and I have had some some uh, tight uh, games between the two of us <laughs> in in that mode. Very nice. Um, so I know Olynthia right now is it's past the halfway point for funding. I think it's it's around about sixty percent as we mm -hmm. speak around yeah. that, uh, yep. that that mark. Um, what has your experience running your first Kickstarter been so far? 
intense. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you you have initial thoughts, Andrew. Uh, well, as Travis said, he's the optimist. I'm the uh, he said realist. I'll I'll be honest and say I'm definitely the pessimist. For me, the glass is not only half empty, but it's evaporating as we speak. Um, so it's been terrifying, but it's been good. Uh, it's definitely a growing process, um, and we've learned a lot even in this process too. Um, but we've been so thankful for the community and the amount of support we've had uh, people that we don't know are reaching out and saying hey don't don't worry things are actually looking pretty strong um especially as indie um indie gamers so like we've been really really excited about that um and really thankful for everyone in the community mm -hmm. yeah so since this is our first project and it's also not the cheapest game in the world um we since you know we didn't fund immediately which was you know Obviously, if you can fund immediately, that's the best way to fund. Um, so that was, it was a emotionally a challenging process to see other big games from big publishers that come out and fund immediately and to not be able to do that ourselves was tough. Um, uh, but we got some really, really great advice from um, the Outrun the Bear uh, board game creator um, who was incredibly encouraging reaching out and basically saying, you know, no, this is really tough, but keep on um, focusing on some actionable things. And he gave some really good advice, um, one of which was to engage and celebrate the people who have already backed the game. Um, and so we've been really trying to do that with, we're making a community created card that we're going to, or maybe, you know, we'll see how, see if we can narrow it down to one card. Um, <laughs> but so we're, we've been having a, a blast um, engaging with our people who are already excited about the game to, to add something to Olympia together. Um, but then also he gave us some practical tips about, you know, other things to continue advertising, to reach out to um, people, you know, podcasts or other <laughs> avenues to spread the word and, and be engaged in the community. Um, and, you know, those types of, that type of advice and encouragement really means a lot from those who have gone through it before. Cause I'm so thankful that I have Andrew to, you know, collaborate with and our wives have been incredibly supportive. They had a whole series of surprises through our launch day to try to keep our spirits up. Um, but uh, yeah, to be able to go through this process with, with other people is what makes it, you know, not in, in absolutely draining because um, it's definitely very intense. <laughs> Yeah, I think you hit on something there that a lot of people don't talk about, which is that support system, uh, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the backers, the people that are there that want you to succeed, that are going to be, you know, your fans are going to help you get the word out or, you know, spouses, family members, friends who are just there and encouraging you and say, yeah, you can make it, you can make it, you know, I know this is, you know, your dream and, mm -hmm. you know, you will, we'll get there. And I mean, you're, you're more than halfway, well past the halfway mark. Um, you're on your way to funding it. Like you said, didn't fund on day one or day two. But, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with the first project taking a, a little bit longer to fund. Um, mm. Just the fact that you're on pace for it is fantastic because not all games fund, um, yeah. especially first time games. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know you've done your due diligence and uh, built up your audience and and been doing all the uh, all of the right things, like you said, get, like getting on podcasts, um, you know, trying to get through that mid campaign slump because it doesn't matter what campaign you are how big you are you're always going to have what they call the mid campaign slump which just mm. basically means you're not getting as many people looking at your campaign or backing as you did at the start and the end and that's just natural with anything people are excited about something they're going to either jump on board right away or jump on 
at their last opportunity to get it, and they <laughs> hold off, right? So you're going to have that lull in between, no matter what. Um, but it is just a matter of, you know, just keep going, try to get, you know, one more person interested, get one more person looking at your campaign page. Mm -hmm. What do you have planned for the rest of your campaign? Yeah, so we've got several things coming up. So this uh, wonderful podcast, of course. Um, we also uh, next level, um, or sorry, level up uh, game, uh, pod, board game podcast is, uh, they we were able to send them a, a preview copy and they um, were, are doing a, a podcast, including Olynthia talking about that. Um, and, uh, we have a few other written and, um, uh, we're continuing to, to line up other, you know, media and reviews. Um, besides that in the campaign itself, we have, as I mentioned, we're working on developing a community created action card. Um, and, uh, assuming we're able to, to get, to some stretch goals, which we're really excited about. We'd love to be able to upgrade the game for, for people as well, so that we can give them the, the best Olympia that we can. That'd be amazing. Andrew, yeah. anything else to add? Yeah. Um, I think Travis said on the big things, uh, you're definitely really excited about some of the stretch goals that we're talking about. Um, I can give a little preview. Um, I've got a 3d printer and uh, whenever we're like working through things, we like to um, see if we can design something that is useful, but I've got this little guy here that, May or may not make it into the game. So, a custom meeple. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, those are always cool additions. Well, let's let's hope. Let's cross our fingers. Yeah. That we not only fund. Uh, yeah. But uh, get you get you to that uh, stretch goal at the very least. That would be really That'd be cool great. Addition. So, um, looking back now, is there anything you'd do differently next time, or anything you would change if you could go back in time uh, to before you launched? I think the biggest thing that I probably wish we had done sooner and this is again largely because i am a perfectionist and want to try to make it as good as possible for before we start this process but um is start the marketing and building audience a little bit sooner than we did um i think we do have a really good game and um i'm really thankful for the people that have been with us uh, for a while but we haven't really done a, um, until somewhat recently we haven't done a lot to try to build that audience um and i think if we had done more sooner that really would have helped us uh, especially in the beginning parts of the the campaign um but again i've been really thankful for the um industry veterans and different people that we have spoken with we've gotten a lot of fantastic advice um which has really helped mm. yeah i think um there are a few like just nuts and bolts detail things that um come to mind one of which being um making sure that our kickstarter main image is optimized um, we didn't spend quite as much. We were very focused on making sure the Kickstarter page itself was uh, clean and polished, that we didn't spend quite as much time, I don't think, thinking about that you know, main image to try to draw people in scrolling through Kickstarter itself. Um, I think the get getting on the board game, the board game geek crowdfunding countdown, um, there were some things with uh, making sure that the image was linked to the version properly and that our a short description was filled out properly. Just, you know, some details like that that I think could have helped. Um, and then I think the other thing would be that comes to mind is just being more proactive and more, uh, um, uh, you know, thinking through the media of a campaign a little bit more um, and trying to line those things up a little bit earlier um, so that we're, you know, not scrambling quite as much to, 
to get things set up throughout the campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think one, one of those biggest things is, is, is building that audience. And I, I don't think it's, well, I guess you could you could go too early, but in in general, you can't start promoting your game too too early and getting people you know signing up for your email list, um, hitting that notification button on the Kickstarter page. Um, the more you do that, the earlier you do that, the more time you give yourself to to build up that audience. And it never seems to be enough time though to build yeah. up <laughs> as much of an audience as you might like. Um, but were there any other methods other than uh, you mentioned you know running some ads? Um, going to Boston Fig, were there other method, methods that you used to get the game in front of people and get them interested and get them signed up? Yeah, I'd say um, by far the biggest thing for us has been conventions in terms of getting um, it in front of people. Um, so we've been going to uh, PAX Unplugged for the past, goodness, most of the years that it's been a thing, um, sometimes virtually when we need to. Um, but yeah, that's been really, really great for us. Um, it's also pretty close to where we live, so that works out great. Um, just been trying to do whatever conventions that we can um and that's built up a lot of our um our email list and people that are interested another big um, thing for us has been um unpub uh just the the support and community from that and then getting to meet other creators and various things there that's been really great mm -hmm. we also you know we right after boston fig uh, certain world events made it more difficult to go to conventions so um we've had a lot of great uh success transitioning Olympia to be able to play test on Tabletopia, mm. um, which has been a really great tool for us and something that has also been very useful um, to engage with people and go to virtual conventions. And um, we were able to do a few, uh, you know, Twitch streams and uh, virtual reviews of the game, um, which helps a lot, especially with the uh, expensive prototypes um, and shorter timelines, having an ability, a way to do a, a virtual experience of the game and still teach it and show it has, has been really great yeah even with playtesting that's been really great um yeah if we have have an idea that we is more component based that we want to test out we can do that with that kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah those virtual environments are great to you know test an idea very quickly if it doesn't yeah. work you know just knock it out add a new component very very quick you don't have to do a whole lot of printing and thinking about it you just you know, right. it out. <laughs> fewer trips to staples yeah. <laughs> um, so Travis and Andrew, is there anything that you brought from your day jobs into creating Alinthia or running your campaign that you found was particularly helpful? Oh, goodness. Um, all of it on my end. <laughs> um, so my background, like I said, is uh, design and uh, like uh, web coding, things like that. And uh, really, I've used pretty much all of it. Um, so a lot of what I do has to do with UI UX, um, which everything about a board game is that it's all about user experience. It's all about making sure that the um, interface is intuitive and easy to use and is a good experience. Um, and on top of that, yeah, just the uh, the management um, that I have with my team of like bringing that organization and making sure that all the assets are where they need to be. Um, that definitely really helped. Yeah, I think some of that similar project management stuff for my end. Um, but more specifically, I think uh, I found it particularly useful. We use Jira for some of our project management, um, which is, you know, a, a task management tool, if you're not familiar. Um, but uh, that's been super useful for me because it can be so easy, especially when we were like, all right, we think we're ready for Kickstarter. There are a thousand things to do being able to name, prioritize, and, you know, gradually work through, all right, 
this week, what are the things that we're going to prioritize? Who's going to work on them? Are they done yet? Um, or, you know, this thing I don't care about, I'll put it in the backlog and come to it later has really helped. I think for us to not get so overwhelmed with the mountain of things that we know we should be doing, but once they're all listed, it's a lot easier to, um, gradually work through those. Um, also I love the dopamine hit from checking off an item <laughs> in software. Um, the other thing I think that my job has helped me with is just that problem solving, iterating design, um, debugging process of being able to try things and think, uh, you know, think, think through what an issue is and how to come up with a solution. Yeah, I think it really goes to show that you can apply a lot of your stuff that you do from your day job or from your education and, and apply it uh, to game design. And, and I think uh, project management, and especially um, when you're doing your own game and you're going to be self-publishing it, um, is absolutely huge because you've got all these tasks and it's very easy to look at it and be overwhelmed. Uh, but if you can break it down into bite-sized chunks and say, okay, this is what we need to do this week. This is what we need to do next week. These are all the things we need to do before we launch and prioritize them, get them done, assign them to each other, um, to other people. If you need to contract that out um, and figure that out, I think it's such a huge part. And, and a lot of it is just being a project manager, being a very good project manager, if you want to launch on time and do well. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, in wrapping up, um, do you want to give us a quick pitch for Olynthia and uh, let everybody know where they can get their own copy? Sure thing. Um, yeah. So Olynthia is a cooperative or competitive game where players are building their kingdom and fighting off vicious swarms of dragons. Um, it has uh, asymmetric player abilities, plays one to five players. Um, dragons swarm out on the board every round. If there's ever five or more dragons on the space, then they're going to swarm outwards and attack anything that they encounter, including you. Um, you'll be moving around with your uh, little player character, building outposts, upgrading them to unlock unique abilities. We have these cool little interlocking wooden pieces that we're going to have that uh, you can upgrade your different player outposts. Um, when, you when you upgrade those outposts, you can unlock this abilities on a skill tree, um, so that you can go stronger through the game and ultimately be victorious. So yeah, it's on Kickstarter right now. Um, if you search for Olynthia, uh, then uh, you can you can find us there. It's A L Y N T H I A. Did I spell that right, Andrew? I'm always paranoid when I say it out loud. <laughs> uh, you did, and I was actually looking over your shoulder at one of the old game boxes to make sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> box right there too. So I have a whole box of old our current prototype and then all of our old uh, prototypes. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody who's uh, watching this as well, you can see the uh, uh, the game box over Traffa's shoulder there for Olynthia. So I know I'm looking forward uh, to playing it again and getting my own copy and uh, to getting this game funded, maybe even some stretch goals. So, um, uh, you know, crossing fingers and looking forward to, to that. But uh, Travis and Andrew, uh, it's been great talking with you. And I want to say thanks so much for being part of the board game binge. Well, thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, we appreciate it. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast. Guest hosted by Joe Slack. Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner. With original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our Instagram channel, Board Game Binge Podcast. And you'll get notifications of the live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content 
from across the industry. We can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.